0: The Mitchell's front page podcast is brought to you by Geelong Bank. Listen live on 94.7 The Pulse, Mondays and Tuesdays from 9 till 11. On the line, we have the associate editor of the Surf Coast Times, James Taylor. Good morning. Good morning, Mitchell. Well, it's hotting up down there in Karengamite. I see the Greens have now pre-selected their candidate. It's interesting, actually. The Greens candidate for Karengamite last time is now running in Coria, Simon Northeast. East. But uh, down mm-hmm. in Karengamite, you've got Alex Marshall.
1: That's right. That's right. So the uh, the uh, the fight for Karangahote. I'm almost certainly. I'm almost certainly going to use Keranga fight in a headline. <laughs> probably,
0: <I'm> probably <laughs> I hope a you bit do. Closer.
1: Yeah, i uh, probably a little bit close. We have done it before, but that doesn't mean that we can't do it again because it's a good headline. That's why you just keep in reserve. If it happens to get particularly titchy between a couple, couple, or more of the candidates, we will we reserve the right to pull that one out again. But, yeah, Alex, Alex Marshall has now made it a four-corner contest. So we have, obviously, incumbent, incumbent Labour member, Libby Coker, um, Stephanie Asher, standing for the Liberals, um, Paul Barker, who will be, who'll be uh, stepping away from the SoFo Show Council to run for the run for Liberal Democrats, and now Alex Marshall for the Greens. And don't so, forget um,
0: independent candidate Tom Rowe. And Tom Rowe as well. Five-corner um, contest.
1: Yeah, five-corner contest, indeed. So, so, so Tom Rowe put his hat in the ring. So um, he has. I guess it, is, it, it has definitely come to the come to the point where no one really knows when the election's going to be. There's all sorts of wild speculation. I, 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 I did see a useful, a useful color, color coded chart. I think it might have been on a story on the ABC sort of suggesting which states are likely, well, which states are more likely and which states are less likely. But no one really knows because that's because it's a prime residence prerogative to sort of jump in the car and go down, go and drive down to the governor general's house and bang on the door and say, I'd like to have an election now, please. But everyone clearly, has, it's more and more people are of saying, Well, we can't wait around until until election season begins because who knows when it might begin. So let's get in now and start and start declaring ourselves, um, throwing our hat in the ring, and, um, and, and putting out there 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 are policy positions. Is it
0: unusual in your experience of covering elections to see five candidates uh, already there on the table, ready to go, uh, when it's potentially you know not until March or even May next year that we may have an election?
1: It is. It's, it's, it's unusual in my recent experience. I, I certainly don't. I think I, I'm trying to cast my mind back to back the to last time we had a federal poll. Um, I know in cancel elections, people tend to go a little bit earlier because, because the dates are fixed um, and, probably, and probably in state elections too. Um, but it is—it's certainly unusual in my recent memory, and I'm sure one of your listeners will probably call in and correct me instantly about this. But they have five candidates who've already put their hands up and saying, "Yep, we're going to stand this time, whenever it might be, this far out, and we could be—and we could be still—and we could theoretically be waiting until, until as long as May uh, for this for this for the balloon to actually go up and for everyone to vote. Yeah. Um, to have to have um, to have five people in the field right now, sort of canvassing the voters and, and saying "vote for me right now" um, is is unusual. I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing. I think if you're if you're running for public office, you should you should make your attentions known as soon as possible. And that's probably a good idea because no one's going to vote for you if they don't know who you are.
0: Yeah, I tend to agree. And of course, if they're running now and talking about it now, there's more time for scrutiny to be applied to them, which is of course appropriate, and more time for them to articulate what their plans and vision are. So that hopefully, when people go in the ballot box they know these people and have a fair idea of who they want to vote for and who they don't
1: that's right we are we are uh, coming back to the voters this is this is a, it's never been you- you, you've never had more of a chance to sort of to find out as much as about the parties and the candidates as you have right now, and you've never had as much of an opportunity to, to quiz these people. Uh, perhaps not directly, perhaps not face to face, as you might have by the way. And Kareg, Kareg Mata, a, a very large electorate, even though its borders may have changed a little bit. Um, but and and, and and there's probably not as much of candidates coming around and banging on your doors and asking and asking you face to face to vote for them as there might have used to be. But you can certainly still quiz them on their Facebook pages or send them emails or ask their or ask their particular political Parties about their about their stances about various issues, so that's so that's a good thing. And also, with the as the polls near, and I'm talking about I'm talking about the state poll as well, given there's going to be uh, both a state and a federal election held within the next 14 months. Um, um, organizations and councils are getting their are um, getting their ducks in a row too. You may have seen our front page of last week. that yes, the, I did. Um, the Surf Coast Shire has updated its um its advocacy priorities with, with with an eye to what it what it wants to ask for in both the federal election, whatever that might be, and the state election late next
0: year. So what are the council priorities? And it's actually interesting because we were talking to Councillor Anthony Aitken from the City of Greater Geelong, and he was yeah. telling us about how he had to, or well, the council had to fight tooth and nail to get their, what, $8 million for yeah. the Northern Aquatic Centre and Community Hub out in the north, but uh, yes. $8 million would be a drop in the bucket for the things that Corangamite is likely to get.
1: Well, that's right. There's a, there are some. There's some. There are some truly enormous projects going there. I'm thinking, sort of off the top of my head, Armstrong Creek would need tons of infrastructure, given that's given that's a major growth area, and that's going to be the size of Shepherd. And they finish it, so they'd need. They'd need. I, I can't even think. Of it. They'd need primary schools and secondary schools and all sorts of stuff and all sorts of sort of um, facilities built out that way. Um, so they'd be. So they'd be asking for a lot. So yeah, there would be. would be millions and millions of dollars on the table. And plus, there's all this, there's there's all the long-standing stuff from from projects like like the Geelong City deal, like like, like the Geelong. Convention Center the safer harbor project the, the shipwreck coast master plan there's there's some very large projects with very large dollar amounts attached to them and, and that's not even and that's other things that people that, that the Geelong region has been asking for for a long time like a, like better rail services to Geelong and a, and a railway station at Avalon and there's just lots and lots of lots and lots of money out there um, that's, that's sort of the various that the, 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 the local organizations will be asking for.
0: Even uh, roads uh, Bowen Heads Road getting staged to the duplication yeah. and the Ballerine Link. I know linking the Ballerine to the Barnet Boulevard is a big one.
1: Exactly, exactly. There's just a lot of stuff going on. I mean, this is. I don't know the figure right in front of me, but you 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 might well have seen it before I do. But Geelong has gone over some has gone through some serious growth over the past five years, and and, and that doesn't seem like slowing down. At all, <laughs> the next five, ten years. I mean, um, I mean, the secret is more well than truly out in terms of in terms of uh, living in Geelong as opposed to living in Melbourne. And COVID has sort of underlined the fact: well, you can work from home and actually make it work, and sort of have that and have and be as productive as as nearly as productive as you might be while while living in Geelong and "quote unquote" working in Melbourne. So I can't see house prices and housing growth going backwards anytime soon. Um, so. With, with with the increase in population that goes with um, a corresponding need for things to get built.
0: I just wonder if our population, uh, it's probably still increasing, but has it tapered off slightly just because all of Victoria, from what I can understand, has lost a bit of its population growth, some speculating due to COVID and the challenges around that.
1: Yeah, that's an interesting question. It's probably one of those things that's very hard to tell so in the immediate, and might have to wait until sort of the sort of the quarterly sort of surveys and temperature-taking things that, have, that sort of happen around the place. It wouldn't surprise me very much if sort of if um, in, if, um, if interstate migration has has not really gone anywhere because because of border restrictions, um, or also because it's just it's just perhaps not the time to be to be moving generally anyway. And obviously the the inter, um, um, international International movement in terms of people moving in or people moving out has actually slammed to a halt over the past eighteen months because of the international border closures. And let's not go into into New South Wales deciding to sort of unilaterally (laughs) (laughs) open the international borders and start handing out visas and surprising everybody, including the prime Mm, minister. Last week, that's a a whole other story. Um, Uh, But look, I know of
0: at least two families who have moved to Queensland in the last two months. Uh, They've served out their time in hotel quarantine and they're good to go, never to return to Victoria again. They've just completely. Left, so there must be more stories like that.
1: Well, there probably is. I mean, are, they, are these people are particular fans of the Gold Coast? Are they are they hang, are they, hanging <laughs> to to, are they hanging out to go to to, to Movie World? Or movie or, world. Or, are they world. Wild? I mean, I don't know these people. You, you clearly know them better than me, and I'm, I'm sure they've got very good reasons. I've got friends of mine in Queensland who've been at me for years. They like, come on, what are, you, what are you doing down in rainy, cold, useless Victoria? Come up, come out to the Gold. I uh, 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 come out to Queensland, where it's beautiful one day, um, sunny the next. I think is the is a famous tourism slogan from from way back yeah it's actually Um,
0: fascinating i mean you'd be watching that a little bit what the uh, queensland premier is saying and i can understand up there if they've had no virus they want to protect that and they would look at what's going on down here in victoria and say we don't want anything to do with these extended lockdowns so that's probably why uh they're doing it but i did hear in the news there's questions about, you know, should they reopen their borders, will they be letting people back I think she made an announcement about it yesterday that in the week before Christmas people would be allowed to return, but um, it's fascinating how it all plays in with the national cabinet and all being on the same page, but also not
1: it is. It is. Yeah. I mean, this is one of those situations where and this is and this is a subject that's people have, have raked over, especially in the past of the recent months in terms of the national cabinet. Perhaps not even perhaps sort of starting, starting with good intentions and good faith, and then and then state governments saying, "Well, actually, no, we're going to do this instead." And I'm talking about all the states now. I'm talking about Victoria, New South Wales, Queensland, Western Western Australia. Who I think, if Western Australia, the secessionists as they are, would, if they could get away with building a border, <laughs> and and, um, and and, and saying, and saying, make, making Western Australia great again and keeping all the filthiest and standards out, um, I think they would do it. <laughs> but they probably can't do that. Um, but yes, I mean, I, I, I mean, the national plan is a national plan, but the states are, are implementing it in their own fashion. That's obviously coming, coming back to the local issue. I know that, um, things, are, we're doing very well down here in Greater Geelong in terms, of, in terms of, in terms of, and also the surf case in terms of vaccination rates. And obviously the, the, the state as a whole is doing well given the, um, given the timetable has been brought forward and, um, and, and, and restrictions will ease again, um, as a, at a her before midnight this coming Thursday. So that's great. So, That um, is good. So, so keep going. Keep, keep, keep getting those those double jabs, people, because we are getting. I oh, was so close. I think the figure, um the figure will yeah, the figure will will I'm not sure if exactly when will tick past. The last, last time I looked at it, it was at, we were at sixty five percent, I think sixty six percent. It's almost certainly higher than that today, it's probably pushing closer towards seventy. Um and, and, and they have been called and they have been forecast at the at the eighty percent figure, which is when things open up again, again, and um and Melbourne and Melbourne and regional Victoria sort of end up on the same roadmap, which will simplify things greatly for people, which yeah. is which, which is certainly welcome. <laughs> because because consistency and, and simplicity is good in these situations because because it doesn't have people scratching their heads so much in terms of well I can come from I can visit Melbourne from Sydney but I can't visit Melbourne from Torquay what how does that work um, so so let's so let's have simplicity and consistency as as fast as we can um, I've I've seen predictions that um that 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 the um that sort of Melbourne Cup day has sort of been has been loosely touted as um as sort of the day that uh are uh, the that that, that that we hit 80%, but I've said it might even, it might even be as early as, as sort of the end of the end of October, like October 31.
0: Yeah, let's hope that, that is the case because I want us to be one state again. And to be honest, I know everyone's got their own reasons for wanting to go to different yes. places. And some people have family in Queensland, well, but I just want to be able to go to Melbourne again. I don't care about going to Queensland in the immediate future or going to WA. Well, I just want to be able to go and us be one state again
1: absolutely and then i would mean, I, I, I no one's i've not done any polling on this so i'm not sure if anyone has any holidays but i'm sure that the um going to visit your family and friends in in a neighboring in a neighboring LGA market must be absolutely enormous right now, in terms of in terms of the number of people who are just you're just waiting with him, with a car with a car full of petrol and their bags packed as soon as, as soon as the the uh, the hypothetical ring of steel comes down, um, to just jump on the car and go for it.
0: Yep, I'll be off.
1: Um, well, yeah. something to leave us with. What's coming
0: up in the paper this week?
1: Yeah, people may have seen. Um, there was a there was a fascinating. Um, Basically, a webinar that's uh, sort of feeding into this larger question that, uh, that my colleague Alison Martin has been covering over recent times about um, about the uh, sort of erosion along the Great Ocean Road and sort of how and, and how everyone's responding to that. I'll be I'll be looking into sort of that a little bit further and then also harking back to a project I started a little while ago called Designing Futures for the Great Ocean Road um, and seeing how and 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 seeing how that's progressing all about that That sort of the idea that well, you can think about you can think about sort of the immediate priorities of what of how to increase tourism numbers over, sort of, over the short term but what sort of what is the future of the greater shun road look like over the next sort of few a uh, few decades it's a study with um, I think at least four or five universities had that- Um, four or five universities attached to it. It's really interesting stuff. Um, It'll be really fascinating to see what they come up with.
0: Yeah, I'm just wondering if that's going to be an issue that's on the agenda at the next federal and possibly state elections, and they're talking about this uh, Great Ocean Road, the Umbrella Authority, but uh, every time you drive along the Great Ocean Road and you see those retaining wall sort of things that are put up to prevent landslides, and it really gets you thinking about the longevity and how important that road is
1: yeah cuz it's pretty hard to it's pretty hard to hold back mother nature i mean we this is this is well beyond your lifetime my lifetime the lifetime of everyone that's listening to this show and their children and possibly their children too but um Erosion, erosion um, wins at the end. Nature, nature wins at the end. Nature will, will, will chip away and chip away and chip away. I mean, I mean the 12 apostles, I mean, most of the 12 apostles out there anymore. I mm-hmm. think they're down to, is it, are they down to five? I'd five, have to go and count. In, Maybe I've, I'll I've do I've that. Lost, I've lost count. Um, so, yeah, these are, these are very long-term questions we're talking about.
0: Well, look, thanks for being on the program. Always good to catch up, and we'll talk to you again in two weeks' time. Thanks, Mitchell. James Taylor, they're the Associate Editor of the Surf Coast Times.